0: Morning, morning. I'm glad to be here with you this morning. Excited to uh, um, speak God's truth. Uh, my hope is that um, we all are challenged and encouraged uh, as we walk out of the doors and as we hear. As we close out 2018, as Some of us in the room have already said, Uh, many of us think back Um, in this room. I'm sure that there are thoughts of regret. There are thoughts of pain, memories of losses and things that didn't go well. And yet there are still in this room, maybe even by the same people, thoughts of how amazing things turned out this year. But one thing that we all have in common in us, even in the midst of the hope that was fulfilled, even in the midst of the the awesomeness that took place and the pain and the loss and the memories of um, the unredemptive things that took place, we all have this common hope in us. And that common hope is that things will be better. There are joys that we haven't experienced yet, and this is not a, a, a worrying forward, more so than it's just a reality. There are things that each of us in this room we, we have yet to experience, and I'm speaking, yes, of eternity with Jesus, but also in the now. So in the midst of that, um, this thought came to me. At, Last night uh, we we had friends over and we were I were I was grilling some burgers on my janky grill that I've had for a few years. Uh, all of it, uh, a big portion of it, is rusted out and and so I go out there and uh, brand new propane tank. I turn on the propane tank and my grill it doesn't light all the time, but this day it decides light really quickly. And so I get my torch because the, the 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 flicker doesn't work on it and I light it and it goes. And I sensed just about all the hairs on my right arm, it it smelled horrible. It smelled so bad that my seven-year-old son was like, choking. And I walk in and I'm like, I'm like, babe, do I still have hair on my face? Because like, the flames just went boom, like, and all of the kids were looking really shocked. They were like, what just happened to dad? And, you know, so we proceed on to cook burgers, but that's not the high point of the story. We have friends over that are dear to us that have been a part of our marriage. Uh, they were our marriage accountability partners. Um, me and my wife have been married 10 years, and uh the majority of that 10 years, we you know we've been friends with this couple. They've spoken to our life, they're a few years older than us. Um they've spoken to our life, they've challenged both of us in it was amazing to have them over as they were passing through, and so we ate and we, we drank, we enjoyed, we had cupcakes, we, uh, we got ready to watch football, the kids played, I'm sure they broke things upstairs, um, and it was fine, but as we got ready to end the night and our friends needed to continue on to their journey, they're from Houston but they have family in Charlotte, uh, we were saying our goodbyes and our sons are uh, really kind, and so my, my oldest boy wanted to give their oldest son uh, a toy to take with him, right? Uh, and so they, and then my youngest boy, uh, Parker, who's very tender, uh, he, he wanted to kind of be like his little brother, and do, uh, big brother, and do the same thing. And so Parker and Matthias go in the garage, and they get these Amazon boxes that we have left over from Christmas, and they proceed to put these tiny toys in these big boxes and tape them. And you're like, wow, this is so amazing. But little did I know that Matthias, who's my son, had made a deal. Hey, I wanna give you this, but when you get home, make sure you mail me something. (laughs) And Parker, who's just like him on some levels, had made a deal within his own self, and I think they had a conversation. So Parker packs up his brand new Bumblebee Transformer that he got for Christmas. And he gives it to our son's friend, whose name is Asa. And Asa has this, and he's getting ready to walk out of the door. And I was like, my wife was like, hey, Parker's giving his Transformer away. And I said, oh, hey, Parker, not that one. Like, you just got that one. And he just broke down in tears. Like, uncontrollable tears. My five-year-old son is weeping because I couldn't, I wouldn't let him give a gift away. Like, Golly. Let my heart be like that, Lord. Yeah, but he made a deal too. Parker was confused. Parker thought that if I give away my transformer, then uh, my friend promised me that he'd send me a bolder transformer. And the friend made a promise that it on something that wasn't his. The transformer was a collectible of his dad's. He never asked if he could send it. But then Parker also had this idea that me giving something away will help me get the thing that I want. And I had to sit him down and share with him. I'm like, hey, that's kind of you. But that's not how it works, chief. Right, that's not it. That's not how you do that. Right, and and at the so at the investigation, we noticed that. But at the same time, there's this glimmer of a, a little bit of hope I see in him. Right, like that we all have, even though it was a little bit confused. That we all have this little glimmer of hope that there's something better. Let me read our passages. Please stand with me as we read through Psalm one twenty-six. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then, we said, then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for them. And then in verse 3 it says, the Lord has done great things for us. We are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the strings in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. This is the word of the Lord. It does not return void. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as you have been with us all of 2018, and you, under your sovereignty, have seen all that has taken place, and you know all that has taken place. Lord, we ask that you would restore us. We walk in this building, and some of us are beat up. We are bruised. We are angry. We are frustrated. We are anxious. We are depressed. We ask that you would just restore us. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Psalm 126 is uh, a song of ascents. Uh, they, they're a collective group of songs, worship, praise, laments, and hymns. They were sang by worshipers and priests as they, uh, as they, as they journeyed uh, to Jerusalem to worship and minister in the temple. Uh, it was the songs that were sung as they ascended up to the 15 steps to the temple they they really mean the goings up or the journey up or thoughts arising in this particular song we see a song of lament but it's a hopeful lament the, the community laments and the picture here is to see the community that cries for the Lord to restore their fortunes as they recall God's grace And provision on their lives that he has done previously. In other words, the the psalmist has said this, in this pilgrimage of the heart, uh, there's this heart and and not this this feat of longing for a a greater blessing than we have enjoyed a greater security and we have experienced right? Like we, we we long for this thing that we've never experienced, that we, we want this joy in our heart, this, this greater experience, this greater joy. We, we haven't quite experienced yet, but when we look over our lives, we've experienced some things that have been great and some things that have been joyous to us. But still, there's this thing of the, the, like the, the already and the not yet, right? Like me, Timothy talks about this often and weekly. I hear him say it and it just rings like the already and the not yet, like we live in this tension. And so this psalm is broken up in two parts. Verses one and two is a, a form of worship and remembering that produces thankfulness. And then verses three through six is a is a time of asking. It's a transitional uh, block in the text where we see this time of asking. So let's jump through verses one through two, uh, and then we'll, we'll 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 keep it moving throughout this passage. So let's look at the cause and the effect of this of this verse. Dreams are, right. The first verse says, "When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Dreams are a result of God's work in our life. Like, like let's think about this. Most of us have had this, this dream in us, right? And usually a dream comes from this place where God has done something amazing. I'm not, I'm not speaking primarily of a dream when you lay down at sleep at night where you're un, unaware. I'm speaking of the dream that like is literally placed within you at this point, the thing that you think about. It is not void of God's provision. God and his sovereignty has worked around us. These dreams that we have that are a result of the Lord's work in our life come from this place that they, that they, that they create this idea for us to be hopeful, inspiring, and they, they give vision, and they give meaning, and they give purpose to us. They give us like that, this is why I'm here, right? Right? And so for those who know Christ, we, we know Jesus has restored our fortunes, and we can dream gospel dreams. So Pastor Aaron, what are gospel dreams? Well, let me share with you what gospel dreams are. Sometimes when I drive around this city and I see those who are hurting and struggling, I, I get this idea, I get this glimpse of what it looks like for them to be restored. I drive around the city and I, and I see or I interact with or I sit in coffee shops with, with those who are homeless or jobless or those who are hungry or struggling with addictions or hurting or dealing with depression and anxiety. Or not just like the outcasts of the people but like the college student and the working family and, the ma- and those who are in marriage and those who are walking in singleness. And I get these dreams of... Restoration and redemptive. And I'm not saying that singleness or marriage or anything is higher or lower. What I'm saying is, is that in all of those contexts of people, we are very similar. And I think sometimes we place ourselves in these, these individual brackets of, well, that's a married person, so my struggle is different. Or that's a single person and my struggle is different. Well, the reality is we, we live in a broken world. And when you live in a broken world, you will encounter brokenness no matter your context. And so I dream these dreams, and then I think about the church. And I think about the church. I I dream even more. I dream that for us to be a church, even though I'm just starting here, like I've been a pastor in in another church, but my dream is that for us to be the church that God desires for us to be that the followers of Jesus Christ in this church would be the followers that God designed you to be. Ephesians tells us that we are saved by his grace, like we, not of ourselves, not of our works, that we are, or his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that he has created beforehand. That's a gospel dream that, that, that all of us will walk as his workmanship to do the things that he's created us to do beforehand. I wanna see that dream come true. I dream of, of people being healed of anxiety and depression. This is a close one for me. I've been through anxiety, have struggled with before. I've been through two bouts of depression, have struggled with before. It never leaves me. It's always there, but it's also this weird despair, and hope that God is with me as well. It's the already and the not yet, because I've seen when the darkness is wiped away and I see the joy, but I've also sat in the darkness and I felt isolated and alone. It's just already and it's the not yet. I dream that we would have victory over sinful areas in our life. That God, through His Spirit, through, through the Word, through the, the, the truth that we read in Scriptures, that, that we would be able to walk in the power of the Spirit and claim the victory that we have in Christ Jesus over sin. I dream all of this because God has restored us. If you follow Christ Jesus, God has restored us. And because of this restoration, of God In Jesus, we have mouths that are filled with laughter and joy. Follow along with me in the next few verses. Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our hearts uh, and, and our tongue was shouts of joy. And they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. And then in verse 3, there's this, this, this cool transition where they begin to own it. It's not that the, the nations see. Like, other. oftentimes we can see the blessing in other people's lives quicker than we can see the blessing in our own. The Lord has done great things for them. And then we go back, right? He hadn't done it for me. The Lord has done great things for them. But I haven't got what I thought. And then there's this ownership where we... Take this practice. I think God's grace to us is the ability to remember things. Even if those those things might be painful, we can remember the joys that took place in the redemption that took place that brought us from those places. Let me challenge you this. It says, they took this ownership and it said, the Lord has done great things for us and we are glad. That's just a little bit more personal, right? The nation said, hey, the Lord has done great things for them. And then we say, oh, wait. He has done great things for us. And we are glad. Let me share the story with you. I married my wife 10 years ago. We're coming up on our 11-year anniversary in March. Here are some of the circumstances. A million things that are not done. We were broke master students. Neither one of us had jobs. We had limited resources, not just in finances, but just in general. We just didn't have things, and we were short on time. But we got married. I proposed to her in January. We got married in March, after uh, uh, over our spring break. And I can't spend enough time on the stage to tell you what the Lord did in that season. My wife never felt slighted, like, hey, let's do this wedding, and then later when we get money, we'll do another one. She never said that about the ring that the Lord blessed us with in that. In 10 years of marriage, the reason why I say this story is primarily because we begin to sometimes forget where we've came from, And when we forget where we came from, oftentimes included, we have a tendency to latch on to the negative that happened in the mix of where we came from. And in that process, we forget also what God has done. And so it puts us in this place of despair. And then it puts us in this place where we believe that nothing great has ever happened to us. Then we begin to question God and then the enemy begins to make us doubt him. That's kind of how it works sometimes, am I right? Like, am I the only one who's experienced that? Doesn't it work like that sometimes for us? Like, we, we just, we, we go in this circle, and we just forget. I can't tell you how the, the body of Christ came together. Like, folks were telling me as we were writing this story to write the story because it's amazing. Like, folks came together and like, here, take this, or hey, use this, marriage, honeymoon, engagement, you got it. And, and I'm not just speaking in the sense of like, hey, here's finances, make it happen. I'm speaking in the sense of how God utilized individuals like he utilizes us in the church to bring about redemption amongst the places that we have influence. Like, I say this, us remembering the way God worked in our lives and how we use uh, and how he used the body of believers and how through that he demonstrated his goodness to the nations. Like all of the folks that came to our wedding, we 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 invited people and we said, hey, come and see. And we use the verse in Psalm 66, verse 5. Come and see what, what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds towards the children of men. This literally brought about real laughter. And laughter is a sign of a cheerful heart and a grateful heart and shouts of joy from our tongues is the result. The Lord blesses us and it demonstrates goodness to the nations. But the Lord blesses us differently when we own it and say, the Lord has blessed us, and we are glad. What about the church? As a church, we've experienced great things from God. I've sat and I've listened and I've heard the stories of victory over sin, I've sat and listened, I've heard the the hardships that folks have came from, and although I haven't been here long, I've heard people through their prayer requests go through really hard things, and then uh, a few months later, I've heard people give praise reports on that really hard thing that they went through, and that's evidence of God's redemption and restoration. And all those, those things challenge their faith. They remain standing strong in the grace and the power of God. Christ Central, I, I really believe that God's hand is here. I, I believe his hand is on this church. I believe that his hand is on the individuals who sit, who come in week to week, who, who lead those city groups, who lead ministries. God's hand is on you. But my, my, my challenge is for you to be careful. Be careful that you f- don't forget. Be careful that you don't forget and that in your, forget, in your forgetting, you put these blinders on that you can't see the redemption that's taking place. And we begin to forget and we begin to complain and then we, 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 we go in this circle. And we, and as we celebrate like our five-year anniversary, we'll remember and we'll look back and the hope is that we will remember 15 years from now that when this church started in five years that God did great things and we are glad. I'm not saying you ignore the things that bring about pain because that's a part of our life. But I think God utilizes pain often to help us see the gladness and the joy that is before us as he forms us. By looking back at what God has done, it gives us the opportunity to ask vigorously. Like, we can ask vigorously for for his future provision. We can ask vigorously for his future help, his restoration, his healing, his redemption. Like, we can ask, so listen to this. In verses 4 through 6, follow me here. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. Why the streams of the Negev? Because it was a dry, desolate place with no vegetation, and there was no growth, and it was lonely. Sometimes we get there. We get to this place in our spiritual journey. Sometimes it's right after this awesome season. Sometimes it's right after another dry season, but we get to these places where we get low. We get to these places where it's dry. We get to these places where we don't see joy and we don't see laughter. We get to these places where we experience that loneliness, that despair, right? But the psalmist is saying, hey, I need you to restore me. I need, I need you to restore me. I, like the str- so this thing happens where in the spring, the, the Negev that is dry and desolate in this desert place in between mountains, the spring happens and it's almost like a, a flash flood, which can be dangerous. But because of the dryness and how desolate it is, the ground absorbs and these streams form. And these streams are like living water, right? They give nurture to the land and things are produced and there's growth and there's joy and things are taking place that are prosperous. Lord, restore our fortunes like the streams of the Negev. So Lord, when we've experienced these things, when we've experienced these hardships and these trials and these things that the Lord has allowed us to go through, we're asking him now like, Lord, like 2018 might have been that year for me. And this is not a New Year's resolution, this is a way of life. Like, 2018 may have been just a, a desert year for me. It may have been a year where I just look back and I have to count my lost losses. But my challenge to you is, hey, I know you lost some, but you won a lot too. Lord, because I need you to restore us like the streams of the Negev. So what's the application? What's practical? What's something that I can hold on to here? The application is this. As followers of Jesus Christ, we have a greater force. We have the power of the Holy Spirit living within us and in that when we experience those dry moments, we know that we can rely On that power to bring us the joy that we need we we know that we can rely on that power to to bring us the thing that our emotional and maybe our psychological human selves can't muster up we know that we can rely on the power of God to bring us what we need Let, let me read this passage in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Three things, four things. Remember, draw close, and pray. Desolate times will come. Remember the great things that have been done before. Let them feel your faith that God is capable live them and let them give you confidence i'm not talking about self-confidence which i'm not bashing self-confidence you need to have this hope that you can do some things but i'm more so speaking of confidence in the one who can no matter the circumstances the next thing is to draw close in times of struggle which we will all have we have to push in and we have to draw close we we have to ask him like we god like i'm struggling here i am this is not working how i thought it would work and now i have a struggle right like like here i am lord this this is not how i saw it playing out this is tension for me don't fade away from him draw close to him draw close he He's there. He he hasn't left. He he won't forsake us. He will not forsake you. So, So we remember, we draw close, and then we pray. We pray with expectation. Pray that God would do things through his great power. We don't pray these unbelieving prayers. We pray prayers with hope and expectation. Then we trust. Listen to this. Trust that Jesus, who is able to raise the dead, able to heal the sick, control the elements, and most importantly, redeem us from the force of sin and death, is more than able to redeem us right now. And then, when you have that faith and that trust, even if he chooses not to, you still know that he could have. Y'all know the story, right? The guys, they were in the furnace, and even if our God doesn't, we know that he can. That's the faith we need to walk with on a regular, unwavering, believing that he can. It's not necessarily my belief, it's the character of God that that he can. That's how you have gospel dreams. So let me ask you a question as we close it down. What work do you need God to do? What are are your gospel dreams? What are your gospel dreams? What work do you need God to do? And and, and I'm not speaking of like, hey, here are my career goals. Those are awesome. What redemptive work in your career do you desire for God? I'm not talking about your singleness. What redemptive work do you ask God for while you're single? I'm not talking about your awesome marriage. Praise Jesus. What work of redemption can I utilize, can I leverage my, I'm not talking about your finances. How can I leverage my finances for the sake of the kingdom? I'm not talking about your social influence. Like I'm speaking more so on the fact of how do I utilize this God? Like that's the question we need to be asking. My brain and my intelligence, my, my PhD, how do I navigate and leverage those things for the kingdom? Will you commit to boldly go before him and ask him for your needs? Can you trusting that he can provide in ways that you can't even imagine? It's a thought. You don't have to raise your hand, but just within your heart, within yourself, can make a commitment in that way. Let me close and then I want to pray a prayer over us. Christ Central, as the psalmist didn't shrink back but pushed vigorously and cried out to God. Let us not shrink back from asking and having expectation that God will hear us and work on our behalf. This is a crying out of God's people in which the community remembers the time that God was merciful and gracious that fuel them, and, and 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 this should compel us to to pray and ask God to intercede on behalf that, on our behalf that in that process, like the gospel will be made known through us and demonstrated to all that we serve or our, our, our areas of influence that we might be able to, with our gospel dreams and our hope of restoration and expectation and trust in God, that we dream these gospel dreams, but they wouldn't just be dreams Dreams in our heads that they would actually come to fruition and be actions that we take to bring about redemption in the city that we live in I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and I want to pray a prayer over us Lord you have done great things and now God we ask you to do great things corporately and individually We ask you to turn our tears into laughter. We are asking you to redeem us. Oh, Lord, that you would bless us, and not just our church, but, Lord, we pray that you would bless the churches in this city, and that you would bless us corporately and individually. Will you again restore what has been taken from us because of sin? Will you again redeem our losses because of the evil that is in this world? Will you again heal us from our infirmities, Lord? Heal our hearts from the discord that tempts to destroy the gospel community like the strings of the Negev, Lord. We ask that you would replenish us, quench our thirst, help us to flourish and be fruitful in our life, our work, our play, and our rest. In Jesus' name, amen.